we need to take up space, you know, celebrate our heritage in the ways that, in every way that, that we can do it, but also be able to just do what we do. If you want to play rock music, play freaking rock music and be okay. Not like, well, you're not supposed to do that because you're black. You need to put some more soul to it. You need to, be, it's like, well, what about rock music that doesn't have soul? Hey, you're listening to the Thorn in My Side podcast, and I'm the host, Asa Featherstone IV. We got a great conversation for y'all today. It's really, it really is cool. Um, today I'm joined by Christy Glasgow Crowder, also known as Chatterbox Christy. She is an Atlanta-based writer who's been all over the gamut. Uh, she started out with blogs, but she has progressed to publishing her own books, being a consultant, and recently transitioning into screenwriting, where it seems like she's found her home. You know, we talk about everything from her beginnings as a writer, her dream to one day write for O Magazine. Um, and since she's in screenwriting now, we talk a ton about movies and TV, which I really enjoy. And then we spend the bulk of our conversation talking about what makes a black story and what rules and permissions are allowed for black creatives when creating these stories. There's so much energy and engagement in this conversation. It's it's really it's really going to be great. I enjoyed this one again, like I said, and I hope that y'all enjoy it too. Um, so with that, you know, let's just jump into it, man. Appreciate y'all. But first, the first thing I kind of wanted to get off uh, everywhere I see Chatterbox Christy. <laughs> who is who is Chatterbox Christy? Where does that name even come from? Uh, it comes from the fact that I talk a lot. Um, a lot, a lot. Um, but what people have said is like, you know, she may talk a lot, but whatever's coming out of her mouth is some good stuff. So that's always in my favor. But um, I, I kind of gave myself that name, I guess, you know, the boom of social media, you needed to have a name. And I guess I used that because at the time I was sort of blogging about whatever came into my fool head. It was sort of like, you know, this is what I was thinking about today. So we're just going to chat about it, you know? Um, and then I had, and I had a, um, a blog talk radio show for about three years. And so that kind of fueled into the, the chatterbox thing that I'm talking. Mm. <laughs> I just talk. Um, and yeah, once you get, once you get me going, it's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. So uh, I try, I actually, in the last couple of years, I've been, very quiet when people are like wait <laughs> you're chatterbox like, you're not wrong? saying anything <laughs> and it's like um i think i've learned to taper that and not that it was a negative it was just more of it, it's actually more of me just kind of stepping back from social media and only speaking when i really have something to say mm. oh y'all that's a message and and not necessarily to get away from that persona, and I've toyed with it. I've toyed with changing my name, but um, I found more purpose in uh, not staying silent, but uh, choosing my words carefully and not just talking all the time. Um, but still, if you get me going on something that I'm, you know, lathered up about, we could we could go. It's an Olympic sport, and I'm a gold medalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so had it always been like that, even when you were younger too, or? Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I, I I used to get the little notes on the report cards, but uh, I talked too much in class, so yeah. <laughs> right, and so was it? Um, so did that kind of uh, 
was that like an introduction to like how did you get into writing just because you, you just had so much to say or I was always writing I, I've always been a writer like my whole life writing 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 mostly journaling mm-hmm. um and never really writing out loud so more like talking to myself more so than anybody yeah. else um and I really didn't give myself a permission permission to really be a writer until um about 2007 when I decided to publish my first book and that in a sense was just a labor of love because I had written it um 10 years prior to 2007 because it was a book for my sister going to college Mm-hmm. and she and I are seven years apart, so I missed a lot of her growing up. Like, she was, like, nine years old when I went to college, so I missed everything. And then after college, I just kept going. Yeah, So I never came back home, so she basically grew up as an only child. Mm-hmm. So it's like it dawned on me when she was a senior in high school. I was like, oh, my God, I've missed everything. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, and college is, like, huge. That's, like, advanced adulthood, so I did not want to not be there for her. So I just started journaling about my college experience and when I got together with my friends and we'd reminisce and I go, Oh yeah, that's a good point. Let me write down to not do this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was like it was sort of like one of those things like, yeah, these tales of my, you know, jaunt in college are hilarious. However, there's some lessons to be learned here. It's like I I, I survived. Mm-hmm. You know, so let me help you navigate this new world that you're about to go into. And um, I just made it that, you know, Kinko's, if y'all remember Kinko's, yeah. but, um, <laughs> and I gave it to her when she went into the dorm and we found it 10 years later in my mom's house. And, um, and they were like, you know, you should publish this for everybody. Like, it's, mm. you know, it was very tailored to her, but they were like, you know, you should publish this for everybody. So that's what like launched me as a writer, so to speak. But, um, in that process, my publisher was like, you need to start a blog. And I'm like, what's a blog? Uh, and she's like, oh, you can just, and I'm like, what do I do on this thing? And they're like, just talk about your life. Talk about your life being a writer and all this. And then it just snowballed into this life of, you know, first it was just doing that. And then, you know, I decided I wanted to talk to people differently. So I started the radio show and then that snowballed into more blogging and then working with brands and being mm-hmm. an influencer and all that and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and fast forward to about, you know, 2012, I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't get into this for this. Mm. You know, I I really wanted to write. I actually thought I was going to be a columnist for O Magazine. That was actually my whole thing. Like, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to say, and I did write for magazines, not O Magazine, but <laughs> I yeah. did write for magazines for a while. So I, I did try this thing, you know, I tried to be a writer and then I got kind of sidetracked by the blogging social media life for a little while, um, which took me into marketing because, you know, a lot of brands saw what I was doing on social media as a, a brand ambassador or an influencer. And they were like, hey, can you help us create programs like that? Mm-hmm. So then I became, you know, behind the scenes in that life for a long time, got just kept getting further and further away from writing. So now, like I said, fast forward about 2012 when I was really just trying to figure out what the hell I really wanted to do I knew that writing was it so I had to sort of circle back to the basics circle back to the reasons why I got into this and started writing more started you know doing more personal essays and things like that and then started working with other authors who wanted to 
write as well. Or bloggers, actually a lot of bloggers who were, you know, bloggers in my day were, were segueing their lives too. And they're like, I think I want to write a book or whatever. So I was doing like this author coaching thing for a while, which segued into author coaching slash developmental editing. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. What is that? What is developmental editing? Developmental editing is, okay, there's, this is, this is a thing, you know, this is, this is a little education for you in the editing department. Um, there's, when people think that they're getting their book edited, there are levels mm. to editing. There's the developmental editing where someone is helping you shape your story or shape your narrative or whatever, um, kind of putting the puzzle pieces of your book together to make it make sense to get a nice draft going and then the copy editing happens. And that's when you correct mm. all the grammatical mistakes and all that stuff. And then the last thing is the proofread. See, a lot of people think proofreading is editing. No proofreading oh. is exactly what it sounds like. Proofread. You don't touch nothing. You just make sure that every, everything that you've done prior after the developmental edit and the copy edit, then you have the proofread. And yeah. that's like before it goes off to the publisher. So there's stages of editing that a lot of people don't know about, or, you know, they say proofread this and then I proofread it and they go, but you didn't correct anything. It's like, ah, <laughs> you didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> yeah, to proofread, right. But I, I, I over, I don't say overstep. I, I guess I over deliver with my clients a lot because sometimes when they say, I just want to copy edit and I see glaring development things, I just point them out. I was like, okay, so this is some things that I noticed, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. And they, they, they do a pre, they didn't, you know, no one has ever said, I didn't ask you for all that, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. in fact, they, it, it, it kind of makes them think and, and then we work on it. So sometimes they come back to me and go, okay, well, let's work on Help me work on this. Mm, okay. Or I like right now I have a client who's coming to me at the very beginning stages. Like she has nothing, like she's writing her memoir and she's like, I don't, I want to write this story, but I don't know where to start or whatever. So it's sort of like a, a hybrid process with her that I'm coaching her through writing, like even just getting the stories down, starting to journal and all that kind of stuff, getting the source material so that we can together create a draft and, and start that process. So that's basically what I've been doing for the past, I guess, <laughs> five or six years. Yeah. And then two years ago, I really started embracing my, I, I'm obsessed with all things movies and TV, and I have been for years. Um, I just never said it out loud. So I feel like segueing into screenwriting is a shock for some people. Um, and a shock for me too, because I feel like, yes, I've been a writer. You know, I've written fiction, I've written nonfiction. I've write, written blogs. I feel like and I've written marketing. I feel like I've done every kind of writing that there is to do. Yeah. <laughs> so why not try screenwriting? But I, in, in writing fiction, I realized that I like, I, the way I write is visual. So mm. I think writing for the screen is, is where my strong suit is. Not that writing novels isn't because people like them. But um, I, I really love the film industry. I really love the the process of filmmaking, and I study. I watch films in weird ways. Like people are like, you pick apart everything. Like, <laughs> you know what I you, love it, um, you know? Are you one of the the people who like pause movies and stuff and rewind? Or, no, I'm okay. not that bad. I'm not that bad, but I am noticing everything. Yeah, and. You get that's one thing that you can get me going on. That's one thing that I will chatterbox on. Is like if you get me started on a film that I like, I will like 
go to the nth degree on everything. I've actually made people go back and watch movies that they didn't like because I go, oh, no, you don't understand. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe I need to go back and watch it again because I didn't get any of that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're talking about films. What recently have you seen that you've enjoyed? Okay, so I just, no, this is, this is, this is on time because just watched the new Denzel movie that's out, uh, The um, Little Things. Little Things, yeah. Yes, loved it. Mm-hmm. And I am, I posted about it on Facebook and all the comments that have come in have been just like, it is the worst thing that they have ever seen in their entire life. And I'm yeah. like, because they're like, you must not have watched the same movie that I watched. I was like, <laughs> I feel the same way about y'all. Yeah. So, <laughs> And what's crazy is like, you know, I ha- I do have a couple of friends that did like it. My mom liked it. My kids, my kids, I have teenagers mm-hmm. and they sat through it and was like, yo, that was like, woo, you okay. know, we had super deep discussions about it. And I think that's what I loved about it was that it was done in such a way that I truly believe that, and I can't think of his name right now because, you know, I'm close to 50 and the brain is going. Um <laughs> that the the guy he wrote and directed it whatever his name is and i can't think of it yeah i seriously think that he did everything why everybody is like about it it's totally on purpose it's completely on purpose Mm -hmm. i almost feel like he did it this way so that we come away with it having these discussions not only that you will want to watch it again so he wasn't stupid at all he brought all the boys to the yard they're they're watching it, you know, because it's Denzel, it's Rami Malek, yeah. it's Jared Letter. You got three powerhouses. That's going to bring people to the screen. Now, some people may leave super frustrated, and I get why they're. I know exactly why they're frustrated because not it. It's, it's for some people. For me, I I love it because I'm crazy like that, and I'm into film. <laughs> but but the majority, I would say, the majority of people do not want to think so hard when they're watching oh that's a I mean, fact yeah. they want it to be easy they want it to be linear even if there's twists and turns it needs to move like this mm-hmm. it needs to make sense and you need to wrap it up with a nice little tiny bow at the end don't leave no loose ends there's loose ends everywhere in this mm, okay and I even I even attribute it to being in an escape room. I don't know if you've ever done an escape room. Once, probably never again. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. It's an escape room. Okay. So, okay, so you know that in an escape room, there's a whole bunch of crap in there that, and maybe 60% of that crap is irrelevant and only 40% of it you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you true. end up looking under and, and thinking something is relevant and it's not. Right. And then you're mad because you spent 20 minutes looking at this one thing and then finding out that it's absolutely <laughs> Yeah, and you only, got, you only got 15 minutes left to get out. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an escape room. Okay. That movie is an escape room. So I can understand because that was, and that was the fun part is afterwards unpacking it mm-hmm. and going, but what about this? Well, now we see that was just thrown in there to throw your ass completely oh, off. To like, so people don't like that i can see why it was frustrating i can see why i mean i even heard people say like that was a waste of good talent you know and i was like wow it was not that bad 
That's interesting because we um so yeah I, I I went to film school too so I kind of look I look at oh, films yay. a little bit differently. I'm doing a I'm doing a, a certificate program at NYU right oh, now. Oh nice, that's awesome. Um yeah so and it's it's funny because like parts of our um our group when we were in college like we would we would be those people who were like we go to movies and we watch and we're like we'll watch movies multiple times and like people who weren't yeah. on, in our program they hated watching movies with us because we'd be like man look because at, the, look at this story about here it. look at the lighting right. here and all that so right like um, camera angles yeah that exactly like, <laughs> it's like you know, can't believe that like, the way that they cut this in front of that oh and i love seeing bad scene direction and bad editing but now that i've i've done this intensive on on um on uh script supervision mm -hmm. i understand that sometimes you just got to take that bad take because it was the best take you know yeah. and it's like it there's no continuity but <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it just works. It. <laughs> yeah but no i think that um uh, you have a different appreciation for that type of work i was actually talking with someone uh, yesterday about photography and how and what we're we're talking about like what makes a bad photo and sometimes um like sometimes when you think about the image or the work it's not like the image itself it's the feeling and the thing that kind of surrounds it so you're talking yeah. about the conversation that happens around the film that's kind yeah. of what is it that brings it kind of full circle for you and maybe the people that yeah. see the film they don't have that like they don't have that conversation yeah. afterwards so they don't have that other so they don't the have that yeah they don't have anybody to like bounce that off of yeah um but what I do appreciate is um, I did have someone who was like, okay, like they like, okay, I was really frustrated watching it, but maybe you saw something that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should talk about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's talk. That's because, it. Yeah. And I'm like, I appreciate that. than just being like, it's trash. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But people are always. Um, but everybody has their own opinion. They, yeah. Everybody has their own opinion. And, and there's no, I'm not saying that those people are wrong because they think it's trash because there's plenty of movies that I think are trash. Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> <laughs> but, to see you know, and then some people who do like Wonder Woman 1984. I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> but, there's, but there's nothing wrong with that person. Yeah, you know, that's it's, true. it's all subjective. Art is all subjective. So I don't, I'm not mad at those people who don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I can understand why they don't. And I think that's why I'm not all like, like, no, I, it's an acquired days. Mm -hmm. It's totally an acquired days. Yeah. And I and I also know that I'm strange and I watch movies for different reasons than other people do. And I tend to like stuff that people don't. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite movies in the whole world is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay. I know exactly four people who like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not And one I'm of one favorites. of the four. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> um I also feel like sometimes if if we're being real, some people just like to hate. Like just for no reason. Like some people like to be the first one to like to say to something's terrible. I don't mm -hmm. know what what it is about it, but you see it in all aspects, whether it's movies, whether it's, you know, books or something. People are just like, Yep, awful. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Go somewhere. And, and that. I think that's me too. Well not no, not me like that shoot it down, but I'm also and and this will probably come, you know, be something that's relevant to our conversation today is that I'm I've always been super tolerant. Um, I am not quick to judge. I am always and, and that has been to my detriment that I'm not I, I don't I don't feel like I discriminate in any kind of way. I mean, not 
openly, I guess, you know, it's not like, um, you know, if something is not this, then I'm like, oh, it's, it's trash. If it, you know, I'm like, well, no, I don't know if it is or not. Maybe I should check it out first. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of, I like to form my own opinion. Um, now there are some things that I won't go near when I get a trusted opinion, but that trust has been built over years or whatever. And I still may dip my toe in just to be like, and they'd be like, I told you not to watch it. I told you, you were going to watch it. Like, well, I didn't want to rush the judgment, you know? Um, and I do that with other people that are like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not going to watch. I'm not. And I'm like, uh, what? it's okay to try yeah. you know or i want to no i need, misery needs company so please watch it so we can talk terrible about it together right. you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's kind of those kind of things but um as i look at the the people who who did not like the movie i look at it like well at least you tried mm-hmm. you know at least you went to see and and then i i fear for those people who um will take you know a strong opinion like don't waste your time on this movie and just be like, okay, well you told me not to waste my time. So I'm not even going to. And I'm like, but then are you missing out on an opportunity to have a different opinion? Yeah. Then where's your own thought come in? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and especially if it's like, well, I kind of wanted to check it out. So I'll see. And then, and, and then I'm also a, a, an empath. So feeling all the things all the time and way too much. So, you know, I, I'll, you know, someone has trashed something to, to be damned and then I see it and like it, then I'm like, I'm not going to tell anybody I like that. Imagine me finding my soulmate uh, that, that loves, oh brother, where art thou? Oh I, I will gosh. never forget this. I was on one of our little blogging trips out in Napa and one of these girls, her, her name is Shelly. And I don't know what it, I think it was a song from the soundtrack was playing in the restaurant that we were in. And I was like, Oh, oh, wow. and, like, oh. and I was like, oh, did you know this song? You know this song? I'm like, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Y'all have been looking for each other for the longest time. We were. And she was, the same way. She was like, nobody likes this. Way. And they hate when I quote it and everything. I'm like, I know. Like, I'm all the time. I'm, I'm a movie quoter. Like I work movie quotes in, all the conversations so that's why I was like I, I i belong doing this work so long story short we've been doing it for about going on my third year i've written um on i all my work has been collaborative so far which mm-hmm. has been great but i'm longing to do something that's just me um i'm okay with doing the collaborations because it's <laughs> it's fun and it's less, it, I don't say it's less work. It's not less work. It's, um, I like sharing the brain yeah. power, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not all on me to come up with ideas. So I've worked on a 60 minute drama, a half hour comedy, a web series musical, a regular comedy web series. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's it so far. Um, I've gotten some requests to collaborate on a few other things, so we'll see how that goes. Um, none of it is out right now, just to let you know, because I'm, almost every production that I started writing on when they got ready to start, COVID hit. So, oh my gosh, yeah. There's that. Um, the musical just came recently, was just recently, which I never thought I would ever write a musical, let alone sell one. So, 
there's that. <laughs> that was, I'm at the point now with, with starting to get into screenwriting as someone who did not go to school for it, who, who's starting this as a late in life chapter, I'm going for it with all the gusto. So I'm almost saying yes. I'm not saying saying yes to everything, but just like I'm not letting anything go. Like I've like, I've never written a musical. I look at it like well, I've never written a musical. So let's try that. And see yeah. how that goes. You know, and it obviously worked. Obviously <laughs> worked out. Right. Um. So I'm just immersing myself into it wholeheartedly. So as you're kind of getting some of this like work, you're starting to get work in the screenwriting and making this transition. How? Uh, what kinds of stuff do you want it? Like, would you want to be writing? Like, are you writing the stuff that you want to be? Yes. Now, mm-hmm. the stuff I've worked on is definitely stuff that I wanted to do. Um, and that's that's sort of uh, been interesting. Um, and I think that's where doing my own stuff is hard. Because, you know, now, now this is like a perfect, like, I, I'm... I'm glad that I'm doing it now when people are starting to notice black writers. Mm-hmm. Um, people are really starting to champion black women in this space as yeah. well too. So this is like a good time to do. Right, right. <laughs> this is a good time mm-hmm. to be getting going. The and and I'm all my writing has always been the same. Again, like how I was saying, I I I am. Um, I'm very tolerant. I'm very inclusive. I'm very, I'm not, I'm, I don't discriminate in any way, but that has been, like I said, a, an issue in my whole life because my blackness has always been challenged mm-hmm. because of that. it's like when I write stories, I'm just writing stories. A lot of times when I'm writing, I have no idea what my characters look like until I'm far into the process. Case in point, um, the comedy that had the thirty-minute comedy that I was I was had a writing team for that, and three black women. It was all three of us um, working on this, and we were we were deep into the writing process for this series. <laughs> we realized that the the main character, we didn't have anything about what she looked like, mm. so we kind of stopped and said. Do y'all know what she looks like? You know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, I know what I'm seeing in my head, but you know, we never talked about it. We actually never, we wrote this character, we wrote her seamlessly as if we were one person, but never discussed how she looked. And I was okay with that because um, as we've learned through Shonda Rhimes and her programming, um, she writes people, you know, her, I mean, where she has very strong black representation in her shows. <clears throat> and it will any a diverse representation period um yeah. in her shows um it's i never look at her shows as being one thing or another it's not a black show it's just a really good show yeah and that's sort of when she came on the scene i was like finally someone who gets me mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. the way i do things is like because i don't write like that i don't I just write the person and, and they take shape later. And I felt this way with this comedy thing that I didn't really have a shape for her. But when I, when I started to see her, it was like, I did see her as white. Um, but not because I, we were writing her white. I just saw her that way. And then a couple, you know, it was like, 
yeah, I can see that. But I saw her as black. And it's like, okay, well, so we, did, we decided to make her biracial to split the difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> but we saw her, the personality didn't change. So she wasn't a black acting white girl and she wasn't a white acting black girl. She just uh-huh. was this girl that we wrote in a way that we that was seamless, but none of us really knew what she looked like. And then we said, well, since some of us think she's white, some of us think she's black, let's mm-hmm. just make her both. Then you know we'll go from there. But there were there are characters that when I write them, I know what they are. Like I will say, okay, I know that I, when I when he comes to me to show me who he is, I can see it. Or sometimes the character comes to me and they have no shape, no face, no nothing. I don't know what they're wearing. I don't know what they do. But it will come later, and that worries me because now with this surge, I, I'm seeing both sides of it. Like people are like. You know, this is great. We can tell our stories. And then it's that our stories. Like, I don't necessarily write black stories. So is is that what I have to do in order to move forward in this space? And that worries me because my whole life, my blackness has always been in question. My mother is extremely fair-skinned, like, like some people are confused. But she is a black woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's very fair skinned. So growing up, it was like, your mom's white. And I'm like, no, she's not. Yes, she is. I'm like, how you going to tell me what my mama is? Right, like, yeah. what? She's my mama. Not <laughs> exactly. You know, and my mom is one of the blackest people that you'll ever meet. I mean, like, she knows she's black. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no mistaking. So that part just from appearances my blackness was questioned and then the fact that i'm so tolerant and i like all kinds of music and i like all kinds of television shows you know if a person is attractive to me i am not like well i can't be attracted to them because they're not black you know um and i mean i had to hide my music for the longest time growing up growing up and i mean it wasn't until like post college that I would let me well be it was because I had like CDs out once when I was young, you know, CDs back in the dark ages. Um, <laughs> um, and I got criticized for my musical taste, mm. you know, and so then I just stopped letting people see that that's what I listened to. I, I was a, I was a closet rock listener, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. I love 70s rock. Like that's like one of my favorite genres of music. And I had to hide that for so long um, because it just was like, why are you listening to that? And it's like, if it wasn't rap or R and B, then I was a white it's girl. Like you're not black. You know? yeah. I'm not black. I've always, I've, I've always felt like I've had to prove my blackness to people because of the fact that I go beyond black things mm-hmm. in my taste in music and film. Um, f- film is another thing that, that bothers me. Like when I see uh, people discussing black film um, or, or asking you like, what's your favorite film? And if I don't say a black film, I'm looked at sideways. Or if I don't say something that's done by a black filmmaker, I'm like, it's like, I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me my favorite, you're asking, you know, it's like, okay, y'all need to break it down. Like, what's yeah. your favorite black film or what's your favorite sci-fi film or what's your favorite comedy? You got to, 
you got to give me some context. You right. can't just be like, what's your favorite film? Because there's number one, too many to name. Number two, coming to America is not going to be at the top of my list. <laughs> exactly. So then my blackness is questioned with that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like there's so many, um, I feel like there's so many like black gatekeepers, <laughs> like people who are trying to, uh, yeah, like rate or uh, like measure how black you are based on the things that you're into. And you're talking, right. like, and you're talking about, um, you talk, you're talking about a lot, but you're talking about even in like the, like the characters that you write, or just mm-hmm. like the things that you're interested in. If they don't fit within that blackness meter, then you're immediately out. I also have a, um, a grandmother who, who, who passed recently, but she was also like she's the matriarch of our family, but she was also very fair skinned and she would be mm-hmm. white passing. So I get it. And mm-hmm. people would be like, Oh, like she's not black, but no, she's she the blackest. She want if you wanna do if you wanna rate <laughs> on a chart, she's she's on the top <laughs> of the top of the chart. Like it's so it's it's so wild how like there's certain um in in the the fact that you being who you are just automatically says that you're black. Like just because like just because you don't have like you don't fit within the cultural box then you yeah. don't then you're not you're not affiliated or associated but just by sheer fact right. of who you are does actually in fact say that you are the most black you can actually be right and and i always hated being measured by my taste in things as having and i always felt like i had to prove it i always had to prove that well yeah i like black stuff too mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know and 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 I think about that with my writing, like because I write stories about people. I just I just love I just love conversations. I love interaction. I love you know uh, dynamics between people, and I like writing it. Um, it doesn't matter what they look like to me, unless that's part of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it is a part of the story, like I have I have written. Um, one of my, my, actually my very first novel that will never be published, so don't ask me, but um, <laughs> that, I, I, it was an interracial couple in that, really, and I addressed those things, and I had, you know, a lot of some of my own experiences in that, um, fearing the, you know, the, the female in, is, is Black in, in, the, in the story, and all of my insecurities that I had to deal with with um proving my blackness to people came out in this story because you know she likes this guy and feels like she's turning her back on everything because mm. she likes this guy you know and i and i always hated i never i didn't have that problem and i've only had you know black males <laughs> in yeah. my life but um oh no that's it i've been trying to do a couple of ways i'm not gonna lie um but uh as far you know, as far as meaningful relationships, they've always been with black guys. Um, but knowing that you would constantly have to explain your choice, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like that with my writing, meaning that I'm very new at this. I have not, you know, worked in in, in any with any major studio or anybody major yet. But is that because I'm a black woman and black women are kind of you know, a hot commodity That's right now. I hope right that doesn't now. change. I hope, I hope we're not, we're, I, I feel like I'm, I'm scared that we're a fad mm-hmm. right now. I'm mm-hmm. really terrified about that. Well, not even just black women, women of color. I feel like 
we're a fad right now. Like, like we're the new hotness <laughs> right now. And it scares me that this is just a phase, that this is just a period of time. And we're going to get old and forgotten all over again. But I don't want it to be like, all right, you're in this space. So, you know, the other thing that's hot is telling black stories. I mean, look at uh, Disney Plus, Netflix, and Hulu all have they all have that black section. stories headline. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm just writing a story. It may or may not have a black person starring in it. So is that bad? I'm like, are you only coming to me because you want a black story or can it just be a black story because a black woman wrote it? Mm. I look at, Oh gosh, I meant to write down her name before we got on here. In fact, you know what? I might look it up right now while we're, <laughs> while we're here. Oh my God, because it's February 1st, right? I just opened up Hulu. What does it say? Black stories right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Angela Robinson, black woman director. She did this movie called Professor Mars Marston and the Wonder Woman. And it is about the man who created Wonder Woman. Okay. Now, I saw the trailer for that and was like, yo, because Wonder Woman's my girl. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it was my girl until so the... <laughs> But look at that. Get my mug I'm drinking out of. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm, you know, this is, that's my coffee right now. <laughs> um, and I've got a cape on the back of my chair, but you can't see it. Oh, no way. My mom gave me that. um but it's it's about the man who created wonder woman Mm -hmm. and i haven't i haven't finished watching it i just i just started it um but i watched the trail i I was like i saw someone recommended to me because they know that i like wonder woman so i was like oh that would be interesting Mm -hmm. and i watched the trailer the trailer really has nothing to do with the movie it has to do with the making of it and i was like over the moon to find out that angela robinson was a black woman who did this movie Mm. not a black story yeah but it is a story that she did and i was like this is you know, and not that we shouldn't celebrate our black stories. Absolutely. You know, the, the people that put together Harriet, yes, celebrating all of those black women that were involved in that film. Absolutely. But can we also, I mean, I didn't know about Angela Robinson. Why don't I know about Angela Robinson? Right. Is it because he didn't do a black story? You know, like, why am I just learning about this movie being done by her? Because honestly, that is my motivation for watching it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, I love Wonder Woman. I would love to learn the origin story. But I, could, I was like, oh, I put it on my list a long time ago. And I was like, oh, I'll watch it when I get to it. And then I just happened to hit the trailer and I was like, holy crap, it's a black woman doing this movie. No, it's, <laughs> it, it's refreshing. That, yes. And I'm like, I want, I want more of that. I want more of that in this industry. Not, and I, and I, and I almost hate saying it. I almost hate it coming out my mouth because I feel like I'm 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 once again feeling like I'm I'm going against my people in some kind of way and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I love the Love Joneses. I love the Do the Right Things. I love the Coming to Americas and all those things. I love the films that we have done that are like that. But I love the films that aren't like when I found out that Spike Lee did Twenty Fifth Hour. I was like. Yeah. No, that was 
not your that's a great movie and not your typical Spike Lee movie until you see the Spike Lee isms in it. Once right, you get yeah, gushed, once you see it, yeah. You know, then you go, wait a minute. <laughs> but I also love the Black Klansmen and I love Malcolm X. You know, I, I do love that stuff. And I celebrate my I am I am over the oh, you know who I am over the moon for, who hung the moon for me is Regina King. My Oh God, yo Watchmen. Yo. Love her. Come on. Love, yeah. love everything right. that I, she is doing right I now. Think, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, it's, yes, it's great and it's uh, it's wonderful to celebrate who we are and the stories that, that we come from and mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. art- articulate those accurately on screen yeah. in books and things yeah. of that nature. But I also yeah. think that we um, are limiting ourselves if we can, if we contain ourselves in that area. And that's, and that's what I worry about. Like, are you only celebrated as a black filmmaker, black writer, if you're only writing the quote unquote black stories? Mm-hmm. And then what are those black stories? Is it always about something historic? Um, is it always about struggle? And then there are some good stories. You know, you have like the Being Mary Janes and, and, and those where you, but, but I still also feel like those have a, have a, have a formula to mm-hmm. them as well. Um, and I just feel like, are we allowed to break out of that? And that is, that is my fear that, because I, I actually, I, um, I recently went after a screenwriting job and some of the questions that they asked and it was with a a, a black owned company and um some of the questions that they asked about the type of films you like and things like that and the way they've i just felt like i feel like they're expecting me to say black films Mm -hmm. yeah because they 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 are doing black shows and things like that and if i say something because I'm thinking, if I'm if I'm going for a screenwriter thing, I I want to show that I have knowledge of these things. I want to show that I have depth, that I have more than just this narrow view. Because I do feel like sometimes it's a very narrow view of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have, the, yes, we have our black classics, but then are we going, are we going as deep as looking at some of the stuff that uh, Melvin Van Peoples did? And, you know, are we going that, I mean, how deep are we going? Are we just surface level talking about, I mean, are we only going to go with the boys in the hoods and the new Jack cities and the things like that? Or are we going to go deeper into this? Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's, it's more to it than that, you know? And I just, I want, I want stories to be celebrated because we told them not necessarily be, that it's not a black story, if that makes sense. And I feel like this is going to ruin me by saying, <laughs> I really do. I, you know, this, you're, you're actually the first out loud conversation that I'm having about this, like something that's going to be like out there for people to hear. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I have this conversation a lot with friends and things yeah. like that, but this is like the first time I'm actually saying it out loud. So I hope it doesn't, you know, screw me. But I do feel like that some people say it a little bit. Like I've heard Lena Waithe kind of say the yeah. same thing. But Lena Waithe also does very black stories. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I don't believe her. I do believe her because she has a, even a, a, a another hurdle to 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 navigate in the black community. Yeah. So 
Now, I don't take anything away from her. The shy is fantastic, yeah. you know? And if that's your story, if that's what you live, if that's what you know, tell those stories. Mm-hmm. But me, who did not struggle, me, who, who, who did not have those same issues, am I going to have to be forced to do that just to be heard, just to be considered, just to, just to be, get, a, get a seat at the table with my Black filmmakers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, it, uh, a friend, a friend of mine, Julia, shout out Julia Bond, Thorn in My Side alumni from episode two. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. She actually says this a lot. She's, she's, um, you know, every black person doesn't have the same experience, but every no. black experience is a black experience. So it's like, because you're black. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we're not all right. going to have that. We didn't all, you know, live in the same type of neighborhoods, have the same financial situations. Sure, that happens, you know, maybe on mm-hmm. like a massive scale, but there are instances in people's lives where that didn't happen. And they were around different environments. So people didn't always grow up around all black people or even, you know, mm-hmm. some people grew up with like white in yeah. a white neighborhood, you know? And so it's it's, yeah. it's different. And I grew up, I was just looking, it's so funny. I was just looking at my junior high school yearbook. Mm-hmm. It looks like the United Nations. It is wow. like so diverse. And I'm like, yes, this is how I grew up. I grew up with everybody. It wasn't now, you go to my neighborhood now, and I think even my sister being younger than me, I think it got more very black and white as she, like now it is. But when I went to school, it was everybody. I mean, there is, I mean, you if you looked at like the, the racial makeup, of our schools um, in a pie chart, it would be like 20 pieces. I mean, it, w- it was no like half white. And then, you yeah. know, it was, it was very, very diverse. And, but we were considered in, you know, in a white neighborhood, but it was everybody. It was everybody mm-hmm. I wanted to. And, I, and I, I love that. I love that that's how I grew up because I think that helped with my tolerance. That right. helped with me being culturally well-rounded learning a lot of things you know because now living in 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 georgia i grew up in the washington dc area so now living in the atlanta area it's very different Mm -hmm. you know it's it's very and and i went to school in north carolina so yeah i just kept going south but um you know seeing how different and everybody was very it's either black or it's white. There is no gray. There's no cultural awareness. There's, there's no nothing. And coming out of this very culturally diverse upbringing to coming where you're either white or you're black, period. And if you if you skew a little bit too, too white, then you need to just be over there with them. Then you're exiled. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know? you're not even a and part it's of like, oh. yeah. yeah, or God forbid you have a white friend. Yeah, seriously. Nah, I feel it. I actually um bring some of my life into it. Um, my fiance is white, and we um we have conversations around that, but it's uh, around that a lot. But um we, yeah, there's parts of parts of me where it's like, where early on in our relationship, I was like, man, like, I I chose to be with someone who's not uh in in my racial group. Am I mm-hmm. abandoning my people by doing this? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's it's crazy that that's the thoughts that I have sometimes about the person that I love. 
but then also yeah. the it's it's wild because the the people that you're around because we have um like we're around like different groups of like we're all different groups just because that's who we are like we we kind of mm-hmm. mix all over the place but we have groups of black friends and groups in our um, groups of like white friends and we have like mixed groups you know we're all over the place but it's crazy that you know those thoughts that i you know had um and still sometimes will have um are then encouraged by the people in the black groups that we hang out in mm-hmm. and you can you can tell by the way that they either look at you or the comments that they mm-hmm. make and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, we're all in this, like what you are supposed to be, my brothers, my sisters, you need to, you're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the most tight and the most supportive. And so whatever mm-hmm. I do, you should just be riding with it anyway. Why is it right. any different? Because I didn't do it the way that you wanted me to do it. Right. This exactly. 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 And it's it's all a human choice. I think we forget about being humans first. Mm-hmm. And it didn't help that we, you know, we as a people, we have suffered. Yeah. We have been thought of as less than human. But that was by other people. Um, how did we lose that thought of human? Well, I guess it's ingrained. It's ingrained. It's learned. Um And I hate that we impose that thinking on each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about the, the, the colorism in our community that I can't believe still goes on. Um, That we're, we're fighting, we're fighting other people so much. Why do we need to fight each other too? You know what I mean? It's like, if anything, we need to be the most united front against what's against us. What is the point in fighting with each other and and here like thinking about you and your choice so it's it's kind of like when 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 people used to get mad when they see somebody who was like mad militant like a black panther level militant black person and then they have a white a white spouse mm-hmm. then they think well then you don't mean anything that you're saying right, it's like, right. Well, why, can't you, why can't you still mean what you say and I get that it's the optics are bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. It it does it does kind of make you go, huh? You know, you're like down with Whitey, and you got away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just like it's you know, because a lot of you know some of the work that I do too, like, uh, is specific towards the black experience, mm-hmm. and I'm in support mm-hmm. in here, and I'm trying to elevate us as black people. Yeah. I'm allowed yeah. to do that and still love this person. And still, too. and still love the person, right? Like that doesn't make you less black. Me listening to, you know, I'm trying to think of like a really white, like Led Zeppelin or something, does not make me less black mm-hmm. because yes, I will throw on some Public Enemy too. Right, exactly. We're multi-dimensional. It's a. I gift. mean, is that okay? I mean, can I can I do that? Not every character in every story that I write is black. It could might just be one, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Or I like to write a lot of diverse characters. In fact, everything that I've written has a diverse cast. There's yeah. always a diverse cast, like, and, and there's multiple stars. So it's not, you know, that nobody's a token. Um, but like, again, um, I, I, I love that, someone like Shonda Rhimes exists now for me because that her coming on the scene 
validated a lot of the way that I wrote. And that was because because before her shows, before Grey's Anatomy, I didn't want to publish anything that I write. I wrote because of that, because I was mm. like, I'm writing and there's white people in my books. Or, you know, <laughs> or the main character may not be black, you know, mm. like, can am I allowed to do that? And then she comes on the scene with Grey's Anatomy starring, you know, a, a white woman, like the main character is a white, like a black woman made a show where the main character is a white woman. You know, where we have had for years, white people telling, <laughs> trying to put black people in stories. Right. And the reverse can't happen. <laughs> the, reverse, the reverse can't happen, you know. Um, and she's not telling the story from a white woman's it was like she made these people like i've i've um i took her master class so yeah um hey. so i've gotten there's some of her material from the master class is reading the grave pilot and the pitch and all that the show bible and there is nothing about these people's appearance mm-hmm. so the actors spoke for the role right which that's what i do like especially now with screenwriting I love that because like with writing a novel, you kind of have to give some description, you know, you have to, you have to lead the reader somewhere and they have to know what this person looks like. But with screenwriting, you can write just a great role and somebody audition and kill it. And that's the person who gets it. Doesn't matter what they look like. Mm -hmm. And then from there, of course, I look at it like, okay, so say we cast a black woman in this role, then I can speak to those things now that we know who's playing the role now. And that's what I like about writing series or television shows, because the story can evolve. Like when you write a movie, it's like beginning, middle, and done. Yeah. You know, you can't be fixing shit in the, well, yeah, you can, <laughs> but, but, you can. but with a, with a, with a series, you know, you may start out in one direction with the pilot and maybe even the, the, the first few episodes of the first season. But as as you have more collaborators, when the actors come in, when the, when the show is cast, those people become collaborators. When you see how they breathe life into a, a character, you can go, ooh, let's make them do this now because I see how she's done this character. I mm-hmm. see how, you know, and, and, and then you get, to, you get to ask the actor, like, okay, you know, we gave you a piece of the backstory. Do you have more? Because a lot of times actors help with the backstory or to, to get some motivation on how they want to play the part. Oh, that's true, yeah. And that can speak back to the, the writers and the directors. And then now we have new material to put into the stories as you're, you're writing the show further down the road. That excites me. Mm-hmm. That really excites me to where I, you know, I can give them a shell to start with. Yeah. And the actor, whoever's cast in the role, it's almost like I would want to be there. I, don't, I know I might probably won't be. It's like you, this, this is a terrible thing to get into because really you can write something brilliant and someone buys it and they just rip it to shreds because yeah. it's theirs now. Right. <laughs> that's, you know, you got to come to grips with that. That's real. That's the business writing. side that they don't tell you about. <laughs> But, you know, it's easy. It's getting easier. It was hard at first, like, when I first started to know that that's that possible. Now, I just look at things as be. I like when they're finished. Yeah. Like, it's finished now. It's in somebody else's hands. If they want to do it, they do whatever the hell they want to do with it. Now, I did it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. But um, I like knowing that if I write a character just as a character, just as a person, as a human with emotions, 
and dealing with mommy or daddy issues or, you know, just got dumped or something like that, that whoever the best person who portrays that in the realest way, no matter what they look like, is going to be the one that does it. Exactly. Exactly. And not have to check a box uh, to do it. And and I look at it like I want to be like that Angela Robinson who did the Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman. I want someone to go, ooh, that looks like a really good movie, and then go, woo! Mm-hmm. Okay! Yeah, exactly. No, I want, I want that. I want to go, gotcha! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great, because then think about what, what you're doing for those people, too. Like, look what look what was done to you, and a door was open because you saw a new possibility. Because you're like, yes. man, I can act, I'm allowed to think these thoughts, and I'm allowed I'm to make allowed, work. I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think there's too many black people in this movie. Yeah. I really don't. <laughs> right. Um, you know, or do something like a Bridgerton, or, you know, yeah. to where it could be anybody. Because the, the way I look at Bridgerton is like, I don't think they... I think there was some there was purposefulness in making it a diverse cast, but mm-hmm. I don't think they were like, okay, we're going to make you black and yeah. you white, you black and you white. I think it was like, all right, here are the characters. Let's put some people in who these roles, this? yeah. and we're not going to care who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're not going to give them a look. We're going to give them a personality. So who is going to portray this personality in the best way? And that's where where I am with it, and I want that to be more embraced. And like you said, you know, not only just opening doors, but yes, I kind of want to shock people a little bit. I right. kind of want it to be where, you know, a, a really conservative white person is watching this movie going, wow, I think that's so great. And then find out that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> the tables <Yeah>. have turned. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'd be yeah. like, oh my God, I like the movie by a black woman. <laughs> yeah. have, you, um, have you seen the movie um, Soul? Yes. What do you think about that movie? That has some controversy. That is so I feel. Deep. Huh? That movie had a bit of controversy, but I just want to know. I just want to know what you thought really? about what it. Really? What was the controversy? Uh, people were mad because, um, like, there's a whole Twitter thing. No, not about the death. It was it was race related. So somebody made like uh, someone wrote a blog about it, saying that um, Tina Fey's character, like, she shouldn't have been in. Uh, Joe Gardner's body because a white woman was like the savior to like help this black man realize that okay. See, we too much <laughs> yeah I love my people but sometimes we reach a little like that was the furthest from my mind <laughs> to be honest yeah I yeah I just I just want to like, know what you like the fur, like the furthest but okay, so now now there is one thing that my daughter pointed out. Okay. That I'm like, okay, you have a point that it's not it's not completely reaching, but it is something that makes you go, huh? While Disney is very good at putting together these culturally diverse and things like that, you know, and really amplifying voices to an extent. Um, she did point out that whenever there is a movie that is a black lead or, you know, there's a person of color, with the exception of Mulan, um, that it that the 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 lead 
person is never a person. It's always an animal or an mm. object or something. And I was like, really? And she was like, Lion King. I was like, ooh, mm, okay. right? Um, Soul, where he was a person, but they switched. They he switched, became a cat. Yeah, he was a cat, yeah. Um, you think about uh, that, it's not a Disney movie, but that one where it's Will Smith and 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 uh, the little boy from Spider-Man. Anyway, it's like the, sp- the spy movie. Oh, with movie the bird? He turns into a bird. He yeah. turns into a bird. He was mm-hmm. like this buff black spy man and he turned into a bird and i was like you know you have a point there she's like Mm -hmm. they never let them be that's interesting yeah but i i mean soul was not as bad i think because of the messaging and that you know there were other black people (laughs) you know one of the one of the other criticisms of the movie i so i thought the movie was fantastic i watched it i watched it uh, i think three times so any um so the message was crazy and I think one of the, the main other criticisms that people talked about was like they compared it to other Disney movies that were like had been recently created um, in set in other cultures. Like they talked about like Coco and that was like another mm-hmm. movie where like those movies were very much about the celebrations of the cultures that they were um, they were they were telling the stories in. And they mm-hmm. felt like Soul didn't celebrate black culture enough. Where? Um yeah, exactly. But I think because the story wasn't about yes. about black the barbershop. Exactly. Yeah. So I I think the family the setting itself, in my opinion, did that. But there was criticism because the story wasn't about blackness and about like this about Joe um, speaking to my point. Yes. Speaking to my point. Why does it always have to be a black story? Right. You know what I mean. Like, this is a black story without being a black story. It's kind of like for me, Black Panther was blackity black, 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 black. Yeah, yeah. Black. <laughs> it wasn't black. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Right. I mean, you give it a it's like it wasn't black, but it was black. Mm-hmm. It was very black, but it wasn't black. It was a superhero movie where just the whole entire cast happened to have melanin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That was fun. I mean, and think about that. Everybody loved Black Panther. Everybody, Everybody loved black. Like, they didn't care about how. I mean, it was unapologetically black. It was beautifully black. Nobody cared, and nobody. Cared. We cared for a lot of reasons, but globally, everybody was like, "That was just a dope it was a great movie. story." Yeah, a good movie. Was a great story. It was. It was beautifully shot. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. But yes. I'm not gonna lie. The blackness made it extra pretty. <laughs> yeah, it did. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know, it just wow. But it wasn't black. It was a superhero movie, that, and it touched on the things it needed to touch on without like hammering you over the head with it. Right, I think. Because right. you know, Killmonger, Killmonger's character brought a lot of that, like yeah. the blackness to it. You know, but it went along with the story in a way that you weren't just like hammering people over the head with strife and 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 they, it it made sense. And I'm all for that. I'm all for, you know, not forgetting that there's a a, a black story to tell. Mm-hmm. But that isn't the only story to tell. You know, we we do have other experiences besides th- that. Like we are more than that. And I think that's what I. I'm hoping to see more of, like, I loved Watchmen, you know, where that was unapologetically black too, whether you want to believe it or not, you know, 
but in a way that still told this incredible story. You know, there was more to it than just that, but those things tied into the narrative that I get, that I love. Um, and I think we need to do more of that. And I think that will help us get away from always being, always having the same type of shows, always having the same type of movies and just tell our stories within the fabric of, of life, I guess. Um, and I, like, again, I feel like I'm saying it, I'm saying all the wrong things and I'm saying things <laughs> wrong that I'm, I'm, you know, now, now my, my blackness is going to be even more in question. After this. <laughs> but it should be the contrary. So, yeah. So I just want, I just want to, when I think of diversity, which, you know, we're, we're really overusing that word. We're really bastardizing the word diversity. Um, but I think it's just out here doing what we do as people and being celebrated because we belong in the same, that I think that's what we're fighting for is to belong in the same way. So why can't we just belong? Why can't, I mean, we're fighting to belong. Yes, we, we need to fight for our space. We need to take up space and be loud about it, be proud about it. You know, celebrate our heritage in the ways that, in every way that, that we can do it but also be able to just do what we do. If you want to play rock music, play freaking rock music and be okay about it. And everybody should be okay about it. Mm -hmm. Not like, well, you're not supposed to do that because you're black. You need to put some more soul to it. You need to be, it's like, well, what about rock music doesn't have soul? Like, mm. Jimi Hendrix can't be the only one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, everything can't rest on Jimmy's shoulders. Everything can't rest on Lenny Kravitz's shoulders you know right. what i mean and it's like it's like i hate that there, there's some that we just give a pass mm -hmm. but like lenny and lenny and and jimmy get passes why doesn't anybody else right same with like country too even though a lot of our, our music is like a lot of country is kind of rooted in blackness like come on came from gospel a lot of it came from gospel and stuff and so then that's another rabbit hole we go down they stole our stuff yeah <laughs> yeah that's true too Come on, we can't we can't ever be happy. And I think that I think that's my problem too. Is that I feel like that's that's another battle that I'm 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 leery of facing. Is the we can't no nobody will ever be happy with mm -hmm. this. I look at like um, did you ever watch Black AF on um, oh yeah on Netflix? Mm -hmm. I mean the stuff that was said about that show yeah just floored me i mean to the point of talking about they couldn't get somebody blacker than rashida jones to play his wife and i'm like you do realize that his wife is mixed race right yeah i actually thought that show was great kenya kenya barris he touched on everything that we're talking about now too right so. right like that struggle to just you know i mean and then, and that was, and then that was another criticism. Like they were too rich or whatever. Like this doesn't speak to the black. It's like that's his black that's experience. That's his experience. He's rich. Yeah. He's got bougie kids. <laughs> yeah. You gotta tell me you don't know no bougie kids. Right. <laughs> and know that that's how they act. Yeah, it was totally accurate to his life. Has anybody? I was like, hello, blackish. Right. Like, what is wrong with y'all? What? What? Why are you? Why are you criticizing this? Why are you criticizing this? 
And even, I mean, just the flack that Rashida Jones gets on the daily, I don't understand. And she does some amazing work. Amazing she's, work. Yeah. She is so talented. Yeah, she's she she's so a talented. W. She's killing it. Crushing it right now. <laughs> exactly. And, and she knows, I, I think I like her too because she knows who she is. Mm-hmm. She's very comfortable in her skin and is not apologizing for it at all. She knows, she knows who birthed her, you know? Right. And I think she also knows what she's up against, but she's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do what I do. And y'all can kiss my butt. Yeah. But I loved how she touched on that. It was like, I'm not mixed race, but the stuff that she talked about in Black AF as that character is stuff that I have dealt with. You right. know, and I'm like, I understand. This. <laughs> <laughs> I see <laughs> but, it. <laughs> You get tired of proving yourself. You get tired. You 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 just like a few shades lighter than someone else, and it's like, oh, you're not all the way black. Who said? Mm. Are you? Did you come off the boat? Yeah, come on. Where your ancestry dot com? You got probably the same info I, I do. <laughs> come on. All this Anglo-Saxon up in here. Yeah. All of. <laughs> I mean, and it, you know, I you know, and sometimes it's good-natured ribbing, but you know, it's it is it is something I think about as as a creative. It, it is something that because I'm just embarking on this journey, I'm I'm new at it. It's it's early in my film career, not early in my writing career, but earlier early in my film career. Well, I was the tender age of you know, I'll be 49 this year, so, um, and I'm not letting it stop me. But it is something that I think about and I do worry about. And I, you know, I hope we get to a place in the creator world, in in the film and TV industry world where we can, we are celebrated for being, we're celebrated for having a seat at the table, whatever story we decide to tell. Like, I love the groundbreaking that Jordan Peele is doing with Black and and horror. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the stuff. You know what I mean? And yes, he puts blackness all up in there too. But he also was telling stories. He's always, he's just breaking barriers with good storytelling. Like I even look at Us, which scared the bejesus out of me. I will never <laughs> yeah. watch it Yeah, I'm really mad that my sister and brother-in-law made me watch that in the theater because I don't do horror movies. One, definitely don't do them in the theater too. Um, freaked me out. So he did his job very, very well. But I look at that again, like Black Panther, like this was a movie yeah. with a leading black family that didn't have to be black. I mean, the, the, we could have had the same movie with anybody in it, but look at what we did mm-hmm. by having a story that is not a black story. It's just a story. And we put some black people in it. Can we just be people? Can we just be people who have a family who go on vacation to the beach and then crazy shit happens. You know, can we do that? Can right. we just do that without and and because they're black, there's going to be black stuff's gonna get on you. I mean yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, it's not that they're just gonna ignore that they're black. <laughs> so, you know, so something about their heritage and their upbringing or whatever is probably going to come up. Mm-hmm. Um but that's not the purpose for it, you know. It was just this great horror film that we put we put a black family at the center of it. Love it. 
That's what I'm talking about. So if I don't make any sense today, that's the kind of thing. Like, can we just tell a story and we just put the best people in it? And, And I believe that that was purposeful. Yes, I do believe that he put a black family in that situation purposefully mm-hmm. we can do that too we can do that too just can we do it and it yeah. not have to be this it always having to be you know struggle or or the the what what i think society sees as a black story you yeah. know I, I, I think that's what it is um unless you know it's it's purposeful to it they can just be <laughs> they can just be just be the story you know uh. I think you're right. And I wonder if, if you've thought of, I know you're kind of early in this, in your career, but are, are there are ways that you feel, maybe even in all aspects, how, what ways do you think we can be more supported in order to be able to be comfortable being able to tell the stories that we want to tell and have those still be black? Well, that's, that's the thing is I think we just have to be supported. I think, I think we, as a people need to support each other, no matter what it is. Like, um, so, so, okay. So here's, here's the interesting thing. I have, I have more than on more than one occasion have brought up a film that I've recently seen and, you know, and you know, it with, with black people or they might say something about like, Oh yeah, I saw that movie and I loved it. And I was like, and they're like, oh, who's in that? And I'll be like, oh, it's this person. I'll be like, oh, oh no, black people. Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna see it. Mm. And I'm like, so you're just not gonna watch this movie because there's, or I only saw one black. It wasn't enough black people in that movie, so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna see it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't under, I I understand, but I don't understand. So I guess I look at it like if I create a film as a black woman or create a television show as a black woman and there's only one black person in it. Are you not going to watch because it's only one black person in it? Or are you going to support me because I did this thing? That's real. I don't know. That's, that's tough. Cause yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you, yeah. I mean like again, yeah. So we just, yeah, we just need support for one another. Just for whatever, for whatever. Just, just because, just yeah. because like, Again, like that Angela Robinson movie, mm-hmm. you know, Professor Marston and the, and the Wonder Woman. Knowing that she did it made me want to watch it more. I, I feel like we need more of that. Like, mm. let's support everything that we do. You know what's wild is that um, I think about it now. Um, like, that's almost even cooler. It's cooler that there was a black person behind hey, that's my- that's my point like this is a regular thing that everybody would go see not just black people so can we we need more of that yeah we need black black people here shaping the story not just being on the camera you know yes or 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 just only shaping stories that have an all-black cast yeah Mm -hmm. you know we can which means if there is a show like let's think of something super white Seinfeld. <laughs> awesome. Hilarious, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can We can have black people in the writer's room for those shows. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. Is don't, yes, bring us into the writer's room for the shows that do have black people so that you write, so that it's being written correctly for the people who are there. But 
recognize us as storytellers that we can write anything. So, so you can you can have a diverse writers room for a show like Friends. And you know what? Maybe it could be really good because you got some hot sauce in in that. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, we talk a lot about. Um, we're at least recent. We're having conversations about black people take like getting ownership, you know, buying land mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making sure you're, you got your money, your financial situation figured out. I think this is part of that too. Like make sure that yeah. we've got black people in these um, writers rooms and who are writing yeah. and directing these pieces that aren't just about the, the one narrative that we already kind of know. Right. So. Yes. That, yes. That everybody knows. Uh, okay, so like, okay, uh, Sam Cook's story that his, his did you see one night in Miami? I'm sure I'm assuming you saw one night in no, Miami. Yeah, I'm waiting to get a group Ooh. of people to watch it together. Oh man, I don't <laughs> want to spoil it for you. But yeah. okay, well, there's there's a narrative about Sam Cook and his in uh, the ownership of his music and what he did with um, I don't know if it was the Beatles or no, it was the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. which was like sort of like the same kind of coup d'etat that uh, Angela Robinson pulled with Dr. Marston and the Wonder Woman. I mean, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. So, and that was something that I never knew that came out in this story. And I was like, I see you, Sam. Put Mm. yourself in the right room, you know, Mm -hmm. under the radar with nobody knowing. But I don't think we should always fly under the radar. I think we should, you know, have a seat at the table everywhere we go. And it not just be limited. It's like, oh, well, because there's one black person in this cast, we need to have one black writer at the table. No, we 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 can write Game of Thrones. Yeah, we can write Game of Thrones. Let us have a seat. You know, that's not that's what I'm talking about right there. As far as the whole black story thing, it's like yes, we need to be at the table if you're going to tell those stories. Absolutely, we also need to be the ones who you know perpetuate that narrative and be very involved in that. However. We are talented writers. We can write anything. So yes, we can be in the Game of Thrones room. We can be in the Friends room. We might not want to be in the Friends room, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. You know, we can be in those rooms too. We don't have to just be in the black rooms. We can be in all the rooms. Mm-hmm. And that's the space I, I want. I want seats at those tables because I like those types of shows. So, and I know. There's plenty of black people that like those types of shows. Right. So, you know, we're watching. Yeah, that's so true. So true. We're watching this. We're, we're, we're going to the movies we're giving. We go see Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. And people love those movies. You know? People you know love. We go see Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all that. Which, okay, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. There was a very diverse group of directors. That was cool, yeah. I like that. They switched it up Female, every episode. There was, there was an Asian woman, a black man, yeah. and and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, white mm-hmm. woman. You know, so they 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 really um, diversified it in, in both gender and, and race with that, which, yes, do that. Do, especially sci-fi films. Sci-fi stuff is easy to do, especially when you're dealing with other worlds because yeah. aliens don't have races. Right. So nobody knows anybody anything about them. Alien. Mm-hmm. Right. And that means anybody can write an alien. So put us in the writer's room of uh, of Star Trek Discovery. Picard, you know, any of these shows like that. Put us in those writers' room. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure there might be some black people in 
in in in Star Trek because you know you, that's a pretty diverse cast. So, but but that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the qualifier to have a black person behind the scenes is because you have a black person in the cast. You know, <clears throat> we should be wa- writing on The Walking Dead. We should be writing on you know any of these mm-hmm. things. Nah, that's true. SVU, you know, Law and Order, SVU, any of these shows, we should we should be writing on. No limitations. Right. That's that's my point, and and I know I took a long time to get to that point, but that was <laughs> really what my point was, is that I want to know that I can, I can get in a room to write anything, not just we're going to put you here because we need a black person. And, and that's something that's real too, is um, I forget what I was watching or listening to where, you know, now, now, now there's some, now, now we're a threat in the sense we're also, we're hot, but we're also a threat because yeah. now um, because there's these diversity inclusion things coming out of Hollywood where they're almost forcing people. It's almost like affirmative action now, yeah. which now there's going to be some resentment because you know, a white writer is getting bumped because they need to have, you know, a, a white male writer is getting bumped because they need to have a a, a, a black, I mean, a, a female woman of color right. on the team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so here we are filling quotas again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're, you know, but we still get these opportunities. But then it goes to the question you were saying earlier for like how long? Yeah, I do. I, I sadly feel like it's, it's a trend. It's a trend right now. It's a hashtag. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool right now to be inclusive. And I'm not just talking, I'm talking about all the marginalized groups. All the marginalized groups. It's cute right now. And that troubles me. So I do feel a sense of urgency. And, and, and people have said this. It's like, you know, when I've, when I've been to, you know, seminars and, you know, and talking about these things, you know, everybody's very much aware of it we are aware that this could end at any point. Yeah. And we also are very aware that it's slightly exploitive, but we also are like, so what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shoot. Let me get this. Let me get so this what? opportunity. There have been white people that have said, listen, get it together now. while While everybody's in love with you. And and they don't mean it disrespectfully. They mean it seriously. Like they understand, you know, the one the ones that are that are true allies understand. Yes, my you know, the white folks are like, my people are fickle. So you need to get on this while while we like you mm-hmm. because the minute you know, we're over it, it's probably gonna go back to the way it was. I hope it doesn't. I yeah. really I don't like saying that because I I, I am an I am somewhat of an optimist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And again, with me just being all very kumbaya and wanting everybody to get along and love each other and I'm very inclusive and I'm very supportive and very culturally well-rounded. I just want everybody to just love each other. I just want, you know, the idea of America being the melting pot that it's supposed to be to be true. Mm-hmm. And I know it's false, but that's okay. <laughs> I live in fantasy land. We're still fighting to make it, make it happen, though. We're still fighting. I live in fantasy land. I believe everybody loves everybody. But I, I know, I know. I know better. I just 
hopefully hopefully i think one of the things like that happens is that when we because we draw these opportunities now that we we take advantage of them to the max so that like we mm-hmm. are like we're we're we become in this wave we start to become the decision makers so that when the fed quote unquote ends we already have people who are riding for us yes. in those and that's, positions. And that's what we that's i think what we're trying to do is put our pieces on the chessboard you know to where we're playing the game so when they get bored we're still in it and there's nothing they can do about it it's exactly. like we have to do this mass infiltration to where it becomes commonplace mm-hmm. because i even have heard before 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 you know people of color got cute women started getting cute and yeah. and even the white women were like you know they don't want us to come in the room either you know and they're like now now there's clauses saying you got to have a woman on your team and and you know there were there were men that acknowledged i'm getting bumped because somebody needs a woman on their team right that's true you know so there's there's a rebellion on women in general and then definitely women of color and then don't even get me started on lgbtq yeah there's yeah <laughs> it's like, that's a whole nother whole other. <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, well christy this has been fire this has been a great conversation i love I this like, like this so. is like um we've been covered we've covered so much have we <laughs> we have like we went we went deep we went deep um but before yeah. before we we leave i usually i like to ask for recommendations from my guests um any recommendation for um, just like things that you enjoy? Because this time is hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. People are losing work. They're at home. They're kind of stuck. Um, and you know, we just kind of need things that kind of just to kind of to kind of get into whether it's books, movies, whatever. What do you What are you into right now? Okay, so I've kind of gotten really in, and this is more because I was curious from a writer's perspective um, on scripted podcasts. Oh, um, cool. So uh, one that I'm in the second season of right now is Wolverine, Marvel's Wolverine um, podcast. And then there's a group called Q Code, letter Q, C-O-D-E, not to be confused with QAnon, not even close. (laughs) Q Code, they have a, they have a bunch of, they do a bunch of uh, um, scripted podcasts and they partner with Sonos. So it's like, ultra surround sound like you have to listen to oh it sounds great the sound is scary okay because and they tell you they're like don't be operating heavy machinery when you're listening to this podcast because the sound is all around you and they're not joking so there's one uh called the left right game okay and it stars tessa thompson and she actually Actually, all the oh, all nice. the all the named stars in all of their productions are also producers of whatever show that they're in. So she produced this as well. And mm-hmm. when I tell you, yeah, don't listen to it at night. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless you like being creeped out. And yeah, just be aware of your surroundings. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the sound truly is. I mean, even through these little bitty AirPods, I mean, the sound is, is is like crazy. Like the opening scene is like a car crash, and you feel that car crash. Like it's like boom, oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and 
And it even says, like, it gives you a warning at the beginning, like, this is, this is immersive. This is an immersive experience. So you're going to might, you might feel like something's behind you. So just be ready for that. <laughs> and Wolverine is, of course, done by Marvel. Same experience, not as sensory as the, the Q code productions, because they get cerebral. They're real, like, sci fi, right. you know, messing with your brain and stuff. And so, real creepy. But good, you know, and I, of course, loving all things television and film, I'm I'm very fascinated at how these productions are put together for your ears. Mm-hmm. But also yeah. just heighten your imagination. Just like, because you don't get descriptions of what people look like. You don't get that. You just, you have to, you, you feel it. You actually just feel the show. It, it's like, I like, I even sometimes will listen to it with my eyes closed. Just, just to, really put myself there and the sound will put you there i mean you feel it <laughs> so that's so that's something i've i've gotten into that i really enjoy um and then there's guilty pleasure things like i love watching the same movies over and over and over again um or shows so um if you golden girls is always a good go-to if you just need to laugh um <laughs> community is another one if you are oh, yeah. if you are a pop culture buff community is good for you um, not everybody can get community, but I'm weird, so it works for me. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah, those are, I would say, to just kind of take yourself away from things for a minute and go to either someplace to laugh or just to another world to just kind of, I don't know, might make you feel worse. I don't know. <laughs> 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 the podcast was scary. Right, it is. <laughs> Um, my last, my last thing, last question I have, uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know Wonder Woman is my I girl, mean, but. I know you yeah. got Wonder Woman. Listen, they, will see, DC did, well, DC, I feel like they need to like change management or something because they're just not. <laughs> It's just not. They're just not. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> I mean, get it together, I y'all. Just feel Come like on. You have the source material. They're called comic books. Could you get anyone right. on your staff to read them? <laughs> just, just, just read it. Just, just read a little bit because it's all mm-hmm. there. Like all of the origin stories and how they're supposed to go, they're all there. I'm not saying that Marvel doesn't take liberties because they do. Everybody, Hollywood takes liberties. It's just what they do. But they take less, li- except with X-Men, but that wasn't Marvel Studios. That was Fox. That was 20th Century or, Fox, I think. Which ruined everything that was beautiful about the X-Men. So now mm-hmm. that it's back in Marvel Studios, you know, now that Disney owns it and Marvel's got their hands on it, may, I think we need to give it some time first because we're still, we still got open wounds about how awful they have ruined the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, those are ones I don't revisit. <laughs> That's DC's problem. God awful casting, and not following the damn story. Like, really? <laughs> I mean, they change stuff that's just not necessary. It's just not necessary to change some of the things they change. Like, why? You, you know, we know. You know, we know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You change stuff that we know. Like everybody knows, Superman's daddy died from a heart attack, not from no damn twister. <laughs> Reeves told us that. 
That was like the best thing DC ever did. <laughs> was the original <laughs> Superman movie. That was the only oh, thing man. that they got all the way right, like from start to right. finish. <laughs> uh, hopefully, well, hopefully DC. We're in a in a new era. Hopefully DC gets it together. But they're already on uh, the line. Nah. <laughs> Hey, maybe if there's an opportunity, maybe you'd be able to do some writing for him. Who knows? We'll I, I, I'm not good at that writing. <laughs> well, now, well, regardless of what you write, I'm looking forward to to being able to see. I the work. hope so. I um, hope so. That's the yeah. hardest part about this. It's like it's not like a novel that you can just go ahead and publish. You know, it's like I feel like I tell people this is like you know being doing the you know when I say that I'm doing this, which is been very I only recently have been able to say it out loud and only because I you know you have I I have that tree falling in the forest feeling like I've written so much but nobody can see it because Mm. it has to be produced it has somebody has to take it and produce it well if nobody's taking it and producing it where's the proof that I'm actually a screenwriter other than you just telling you that I am you know, so it's one of those things where they go, oh, you're a screenwriter, huh? And, oh, oh, where can I see if that? Well, it's not out yet. Oh, mm-hmm. that means you're yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah. Farthest from the truth. Uh, I mean, I do I do, do other things to keep the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. pipeline going. But I also feel like if I don't acknowledge it myself and if I don't embrace myself as being what I want to do, then nobody else will either. So I have to be comfortable with telling people, yes, I'm a screenwriter because I want people to take my writing seriously. I want people to pick it up. I want people to collaborate with me. And that's been what's been happening so far. So it's just I write and wait and <laughs> and just keep writing and just keep writing. Um, and, and, and helping other people write their books and edits and all that kind of stuff in the meantime. So, yeah, well, I'm sure the wait will be over soon, but, uh, yeah, but again, I appreciate you, Christy. This has been, like I said, great, great conversation. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you asking me to come on the show. All right. That was a W conversation. That was just, yeah. I mean, aren't they all though for real? I just want to give another huge shout out to Christy again for just being willing to open up and have this conversation. Y'all hear about all the movies she was talking about? Yo, she's dropping gems, man. I hope y'all was taking notes. Y'all got some homework to do. I mean, she's all over the place too. She got tons and tons and tons of stuff that she's written. It's all really great content. And I highly recommend you go and visit some of her sites. Her website is chatterboxchristy.com. That's Christy with I-E. And her IG is ChatterboxCGC, but I'll have the specifics in the show notes. Shout out to Lucretia, who's a friend of the show, uh, for making this introduction. Man, we got friends of the show now. That's kind of (laughs) cool. And as always, shout out to y'all, man. I appreciate y'all for listening. Appreciate y'all for supporting. And as always, if you get anything from this, learn anything, uh, some light bulb comes up in your head from these conversations, please, please feel free to just share these with your friends. We'll really appreciate it. Doing things in a little bit of a different order today, but uh, also want to give a shout out to uh, today's sponsor, my fridge. Uh, it, I moved my desk recently, and so I'm closer to the fridge now. So like now, all I hear when I record is like the big old sound of the machine turning on. It's an old fridge, but we'll be fine. And then shout out to today's real, real sponsor, Anchor. 
Again, if you have any questions or suggestions on how we can improve the podcast or any guests that you want to have on here, you can always email me at whatsupasa at gmail.com. It's W-H-A-T-S-U-P-A-S-A at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on IG, Twitter, Savvy Oso, or the podcast on Instagram at Tim's Pod. But that's it for today. Uh, before I go, just got to remind y'all, as always, None of us have any idea what we're doing. We just become better actors.